0: Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Hello everyone and
1: welcome back to Those Aren't Pillows, the podcast celebrating everything funny in film. Thank you so much for anyone that's listened to our first few episodes that have gone on thank you so much for giving it a whirl and uh, some some great comedy films that we've been discussing but we are back for another episode and of course i need to have a guest with me to make it happen and so today i have pulled out all the stops this is we've gone up even more levels into the into the hollywood a-list uh by bringing along independent film critic and a good friend and she's laughing it's clarice loffery <laughs>
0: Hollywood A-list. <laughs>
1: Why not, You're, In terms of film, it's, film critics.
0: Welcome to the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, should do a leather. Brie da, da.
0: Larson.
1: It's Brie Larson. Hi, yeah, it'd be funny I'm if <laughs> I just said that. I could
0: have, I could have just pretended to be Brie Larson this whole time. That would have been hilarious.
1: Yeah, imagine, imagine my podcast was just—I was just like, oh, by the way, episode three, I've got Brie Larson on because i its so popular already.
0: <laughs> uh Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm Brie Larson
1: you can watch me watch me do my daily routine or train for captain yeah. marvel too i
0: should say i'm not saying that in a mocking way i am obsessed with her youtube channel it's the greatest i <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> i did
1: i did watch the episodes where she was telling about the things that she, you know the auditions that she went to that was quite you don't you usually hear that stuff from people do you, you don't hear about the things they didn't get she's quite candid about those things which are quite liked
0: yeah that's why that's why i love her channel it's um I don't know. It's it, it's so stupid to talk about authenticity when you're talking about stars and star image. Yeah, but it does feel like she's doing this because she just wants to, and she's doing the stuff that she wants and talking about the stuff that she wants. I watched her air fry a bunch of um, waffles. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great. I loved it.
1: <laughs> she, she'll do it for as long as she can until she starts Captain Marvel and Marvel will say you need to stop that just in case now. You're in, you know, you're in the bubble, no spoilers, etc. But I'm sure she'll be like, I'm just doing it for fun. It's fine. I just
0: feel like Carol Danvers wouldn't air fry things.
1: <laughs> She'd use her powers. <laughs> She'd use her powers. She'd use her powers. It's a good channel. Nothing from a Brie Larson. Go and subscribe to her. But also, in terms of subscribing, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We are on most of the platforms so far, working on Apple. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, we will be properly on Apple. It is there, but it's kind of... There's a, there's a weird connection issue that apple have told me about so we'll see what happens anyway uh, make sure you subscribe like share follow leave a review of the podcast if you can and uh, there'll be more episodes coming up there's one that i'm really looking forward to which might be the next episode but anyway we'll get on to episode three so as ever on the podcast myself and my guest this week is clarice we'll pick uh, a film each a comedy film to talk about and the film that she's picked is one that i hadn't seen i hadn't heard of really but I was intrigued, and I watched it, and I loved it very much. So we're going to talk about it. So we're going to take a massive trip back, a massive step back to 1967, when even my dad was a young whippersnapper. How old was your dad in
0: 1967? Um, yeah, also like a little kid.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if he saw this. I'm so.
0: I wonder if Probably he saw this. Not. Probably not. Maybe not. not I but... think it's not appropriate for kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh of course. of course of really... course my brain's thinking
1: oh my dad would have watched it and then I'm like wait he wouldn't have seen it in 1967
0: because that's the thing 10. <laughs> it, i think it seems really wholesome so, you know superficially it seems wholesome by today's standards but it's not <laughs> at yeah,
1: all it's not uh i was gonna say jitty jitty bang bang but then that's that's got the child catcher and that's really scary um this is not the wizard of oz I guess. But it's a good film, nevertheless. Uh, So, it is 1967. It's a musical comedy, and one that I had a great time watching. So, before we delve into it, here's a quick clip from the film we're going to talk about first. A secretary is not a toy. No, my
0: boy, not a toy. So do not go jumping for joy, boy. A secretary is not. A secretary is not. A secretary is not. Toy. So
1: that's a clip from how to succeed in business without really trying, made in nineteen sixty-seven based on the stage musical, which was uh, released in nineteen sixty-one on Broadway, based on a book released in nineteen fifty-two. I have the Wikipedia page open, so I don't really know these things off the top of my head. But me and, <laughs> and Clarice have both got the Wikipedia page open, just in
0: case. <laughs> <laughs> I should point out an interesting thing about the book, it's like the book itself is a parody of like the self-help it's just like a nonsense book <laughs> it, is, it is it is a nonsense uh, book yeah yeah
1: and even the book in yeah, the film isn't it's is kind of a nonsense book really it's like the worst way to do things but hey there's people in power out there which i we might touch upon as we talk about it they're probably followed as a book like this and got mm-hmm. pretty far in the world uh yeah so it's how to succeed in business without really trying directed by David Swift what a great name uh, with some uh, work by Bob Fosse in there, which I think he must have done some of the Broadway stuff, um, and it stars. Yeah. Robert...
0: Well, that's sorry, I've covered it with with dumb stories already.
1: <laughs> do it, do it. That's what we want.
0: So, um, so the original choreo- choreographer was not Bob Fossey It was oh. another guy. Um, oh, who was it? <laughs> um, I can't remember his name. I'm so sorry. It, it was. A, a different person was originally hired because they had done a single, se- Hugh Lambert, um, he'd done a single sequence and everyone was so impressed by it, they were like, let's hire this person, but he was kind of an, an unknown name at that point and and then they actually got to the rehearsals and they were, they were like, oh no! <laughs> oh oh no this <laughs> guy is not good what do we do so they phoned up Bob Fosse as he would because like who hear, else yeah. are you gonna who else are you gonna call when you're in a crisis Bob Fosse and he came in and and he basically choreographed the majority of the Broadway show but he was nice and he didn't want to ruin this guy's career <laughs> by basically Having him fired. So Hugh Lambert gets the choreography credit. And this is you'll see it in the credits of the film as well, because they they maintained the same, a lot of the same choreography, I think. Uh, and then it's musical staging by Bob Fosse, but Bob Fosse actually did most of the choreography. <laughs>
1: <laughs> staging. It does say staging here, actually. Now I've seen it. It, it has now popped yeah. up. On there that It was staging, so that kind of makes it's sense. It's
0: just because they wanted to be nice to this guy who didn't do a very good job, which I think is quite sweet.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's also what I really liked in the thing I, I messaged you last night about when I was watching it, or last night, the night we were recording this, Um, about the on the credits, there was also a visual gags guy, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Visual gags by a certain person. I didn't write down their name, but I thought that was... That was fun. You don't usually see that, do you? <laughs> I
0: know. What a job. I would love that. What a that. job.
1: Well, you I oh, on the visual gags, guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what if we put a, a silly sign in the background? Let <laughs> me yes, hysterical. do it. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear. But uh, but yeah, this star. So Robert Morse is the star, and Ruby Rudy Valley is also in it. And also is Michelle Lee. And another text I sent Clarice last night was I realized within seconds. That it was Ruben uh, Reuben Pfeffer's mum. And Clarice was like, It was Ruben Pfeffer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: it's, uh, so essentially the same actress that plays Ben Stiller's mum, Along Came Polly, a film I've seen quite a few times. And I was just like, Oh, it's her. I'm I'm even more intrigued by this, by this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a film that you like. I know you like also also like Robert Morse. Uh, so your, tw- so I believe by your twitter at least um so how yeah. how did this film kind of first enter your your life? did this come come through work or did this come through kind of your your younger days
0: uh, I think it was probably a few years ago that I watched it for the first time, and i sort of it was more through my love of Broadway that I discovered it because um, there was actually a revival. A few years ago that had Daniel Radcliffe in the Robert Morse role Uh, and he did a great job (laughs) I this is slightly you know slightly off topic but I think Daniel Radcliffe needs to be doing more musicals because he has a great voice and a great energy for for the stage Um, but yeah I think it was around that I think it was around the time of the revival that I I actually sat down and watched it for the first time I'd known about it for a while because it's Um, I don't know it's just like uh, one of the the sort of great (laughs) satirical comedies of the 1960s which I think was a really great time for satirical comedies period Uh, because it was this great I don't know there's a there's this combination of of goofiness and analysis (laughs) in a lot of the comedies of this period because you know the 60s was such a time of of political and cultural revolution and you're having all these mainstream Hollywood movies that are sort of I think trying to ignore it (laughs) but also can't really ignore the massive cultural shifts that are happening in society and so it's so interesting the little ways the little ways that that they come in and I think you know I mean the original stage musical for this was 1961 but even in this you you see <laughs> like the way that the women are written that there's there's half of it is this really interesting portrayal of women as um, you know quite career focused and smart and very aware of the misogyny of their surroundings and they're just doing what they can to navigate it and doing what they can to protect themselves. Hmm. But then you have like, <laughs> you know, some man was like, well, this seems threatening. So let me write the character of Hedy LaRue, who is the the booby bouncing like sex <laughs> pot. <part>. Um <laughs> wiggles She like wiggles everywhere she goes. It does have a
1: very distinctive wiggle. Yeah.
0: Um played by Maureen Arthur, who I think this is the thing like she's such a parody of like the sex part sort of I guess a little bit Marilyn Monroe-ish but just you know drawing generally from what was considered sexy sexy in 1967 Mm. (laughs) um but but yeah even in her performance there is a little bit of awareness to what she's doing because I think I think like I don't know it's such a weird thing with the with these movies in terms of of both being aware of of feminism (laughs) and also like trying to make fun of it at the same time and and a lot of these films are in in constant battle with those two ideas because there's another film that I love called Sex and the Single Girl which is a really again interesting thing where the main character is this very like liberated independent like sex positive woman but then the whole story is about Tony Curtis trying to prove that she's a virgin so it's like <laughs> it's this constant battle between like a complete like ridiculous misogyny but also um, sort of winking uh, self-aware feminism I don't know but I feel like you kind of see that in this movie those two sides
1: of it in battle yeah well I I, I completely agree with what you're saying it's a strange thing because it's one of those because it is a comedy you know it is one of those films that it is a comedy and is being very silly but like you say it's still very knowing as well you can kind of even from the first kind of couple of scenes where he first goes in and he's he he meets all the three women don't they and you kind of like you say they're, they're the women that are career focused everything else and then you get Hedy LaRue's character and she kind of comes in and she's as you say the typical kind of buxom woman that all the blokes as soon as she walks into the door have to stop what they're doing and and follow her around the follow follow her wiggle around uh, the office yeah yeah the glasses flip up i like Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah but then later in the film she has that moment where she's she's kind of you know she puts her foot down and she's very much like you know she's almost treated like a not a punching bag per se, but she's obviously a bit of a mistress, isn't she? And she's just, you know, uh, an, an issue for the for the big boss, uh, big lead to kind of deal with. But then she goes through the from, and she's almost had enough, isn't she? And she kind of stands up for herself, which I thought was 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 really great. But it's, uh, I mean, I'd never heard of this film before, but actually, the reflection of of it to watch in twenty twenty one is actually quite scary. <laughs> I almost was thinking about <laughs> a lot of politicians maybe following the the other side of the film, which obviously is the the, the rise of um, of uh, Pierre Pont Finch's char- uh, played by Robert Morse's character, as he rises up the business, and you kind of think to yourself, I think some people in real life who are in big positions of power probably followed some of this film or followed a book and managed to get themselves into into quite high profile jobs even now.
0: Yeah, because it's it's also like going back to the idea of the the self awareness and the sort of growing political self awareness um yeah it's like a movie that's like okay like we 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 know we know capitalism's a little bit effed up <laughs> uh we're not going to outrightly critique it because like that might get us in trouble but we're going to have a little bit of fun <laughs> and lightly poke at it and so that's the thing it seems it seems like such a piece of silliness but I think if you do actually break down what it's saying and and how it kind of constructs the the world of power um yeah it's like actually quite it's quite scathing
1: yeah and not just about sexism as well there's a lot of uh, there's a nice chunk of nepotism in there as well if you if that, <laughs> if, that yeah. takes your, if that takes your fancy with with uh, with lots of things going on there particularly you know that's um that's a fun there's a lot of things going on in this movie and the way they they juggle it all because you know it is a mu- it is a kind of very colorful very frothy musical comedy in terms of its outer shell but the inner workings of it are very very you know as you say they're quite scathing and quite biting it's almost like they're saying no no we're making fun of it but then the writer's gone we're not really making fun of it we're actually being quite quite forceful with this oh yes yes no no no. go back to your musical bits yeah it's just it's a bit of fun it's not really a bit of fun <laughs> it's not really a bit of but fun
0: that's the great thing about comedy and I think a lot of my favorite comedies are are quite scathing but mm. you know wrapped in a, a cute little bow and like here's some Bob Foster's choreography <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it sort of you know and it's it's sort of it hides the message from maybe you know the people who won't go looking for it um yeah. you know the people that it might upset yeah maybe they won't pay attention because they'll just they'll just see the the colors and the costumes and the music and the, the silliness of it all but hey maybe the some the people who are a little bit more clued in <laughs> will be watching it going oh yeah yeah and it's like I think as well the element of classism Mm. in it is really interesting and and the fact that Ponty starts off as a window washer and so it is really sort of a satire of of rags to riches placed in this purely like cutthroat capitalist context you know it's not um the prince and the pauper it's like (laughs) ta-da I worked hard and now I'm rich it's like no no like in the real world in real life capitalism you know someone like Ponty is basically gonna have has to like fake his entire identity (laughs) because that's how you know close shut the doors are that he Mm. has to go in you know pretending that he's friends with the boss he has to go in pretending that he went to an ivy league university because you know those are actually the only things that will let anyone succeed mm. in this world um and so yeah i it really it's, it's so interesting the way that he just <laughs> completely keeps changing his identity he's whatever the bosses want him to be but then you But yeah but then you get to the very end and then there's a reveal that the chairman of the board is like I was also a window washer (laughs) 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 which is such a like it's such an interesting twist and and like I don't know I actually don't really know what the the commentary aspect of that is meant to be like oh the guy who's really really at the top also came also started out as Ponty did and maybe the suggestion, I don't know, I don't know if the suggestion is either that he actually did really work, work really hard and did actually just live the American dream and managed to become the chairman of the board or whether he also faked his way to the top.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my assumption was it was the latter. That was my takeaway from it, having just yeah. watched it. I thought it was the latter. It was just to kind of, because there's the other isn't there, the, the marketing guy who is on a similar trajectory and he, he's an older guy, but he has this, the book, doesn't he? And he, 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 sees what ponty's trying to do and he kind of stops when his tracks and fires him doesn't he but then he manages to find conjure up another way to to flip it on i can't remember the guy's name but flip it on the marketing guy as well so i took it that maybe the whole office is full of you know the revelations would be the whole office is full of window washers taking this taking this book to to heart and trying to succeed in business but it proves also how how kind of quick on his feet Ponty as, as, a, as a as a you know as a window washer and stuff like that. But to be able to, I mean, obviously I know it's a fantasy and stuff. But to, to be able to do what he does, he's quite he's quite quick on his feet in that way. Like there's the sequence where he comes into work ten minutes before everybody else and makes it look as if he's been there all night working when actually he's just faking it enough to see to make sure he runs into the boss for the boss to go, oh, what are you? You're a hard worker. Well done. Oh, I must hire you. You must go up the ladder. <laughs> funny, funny. Well, I, funny yeah,
0: I think that's the the big joke is Mm. ponty never does any work in this
1: movie
0: no (laughs) there's not a single scene where he actually works the only the closest thing to him actually doing his job is he's asked to do a presentation for an advertising pitch and the presentation he does is just like here's a rocket like (laughs) here's (laughs) a graph of our sales they're going down but now they're gonna go up it's like that's like that's the joke of it is like in <laughs> in the corporate world like the work is not the work that you're doing mm. the work is you trying to impress the boss so that you get a promotion like it's it's all a performance everyone's an actor mm. and you're all just performing the idea of work <laughs> you're not actually doing it which yeah. I find it, it's so weirdly truthful because that is like I feel like anyone who's having an office job it's like you're not the actual work you do is like meaningless it's nonsense like the moments that matter are when the boss comes over and you have to be like uh typing 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 <laughs>
1: yeah yeah, typing typing oh oh Dumb and Dumb is your favorite film as well oh let's we must talk about it let's have a coffee and then away you go yeah
0: yeah like I I've done jobs where um I used to do a lot of jobs where for most of the job no one would be looking at you (laughs) but (laughs) you would have to to file these reports at the end of the day um to say like I it was basically a sales job where I had to sort of convince people to buy toothbrushes or something ridiculous and I realized like so quickly into the job that I was like the only thing that matters is the report I fill in at the end of the day I don't actually have to do the work <laughs> 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 Because they never see it And actually it has no real effect On anything because this whole job is nonsense No one like I'm just telling someone to buy a toothbrush It's ridiculous, it's a stupid job <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> and to so buy a, An essential
1: essential item that people Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah And I never did the job. I would just stand in the store for six hours, staring at nothing, (laughs) (laughs) looking at shampoo, just like thinking of ways to pass the time. And then I would just go home and I would fill out this report and be like, I was so efficient. I talked to 60 people today. And they never figured it out, <laughs> and I feel like that is how to succeed in business without really trying. it's yeah. it's like it reduces it down to this idea that like all work is performance. and I love that because it's like this is again, it comes back to the idea that it's it's secretly so scathing mm. capitalism because it's like this this is all nonsense. It's so stupid. like we're we're all lied to ourselves,
1: yeah, and it's strangely, actually, I mean I'm, in, I'm in, as we record this, I'm in the middle of watching uh, How I Met Your Mother again, all the way through. Um, and it, the uh, Barney Stinson, the character played by Neil Patrick Harris, is exactly like this. He comes up with all these amazing words for like his his uh, his work at this bank that he works for. You never know what he does, but essentially, he's doing exactly what Ponty's doing. He's doing nothing but doing everything. He comes up with these words like fortitude, uh, not fortitude, like made up words that combine two big business words together almost like that pitch that he does it's almost like you know like you say it's has a rocket and then a smiley the business manager uh, the chairman of the board and uh, not the chairman of the board the, the the guy in charge he's all like shows him a big smiley. if this is what happens to you and now our, our company goes up and up and up you will smile you will go skiing and it's a picture of him at the end with a big smiley face you know he's not doing anything but he's saying the words to kind of stimulate the bosses to just get by and it was it was funny watching how many mother because barney's exactly like that you never know what he's doing but he's almost always making money always doing enough to get by and he's doing exactly this he's doing nothing but doing everything i thought that was that was quite strange that i watched this around that time because he's quite he's like a a kind of modern day version in the sense that that's exactly what he does in the show all the way through
0: yeah i think um i think this this musical i guess both the film and the stage show is like kind of quite influential in terms of of um how like corporations have been depicted on film in this sort of like silly satirical way i know that robert i unfortunately haven't watched mad men but i know that robert morse ended up having a role on mad men (laughs) i saw saw that as well that was that was crazy (laughs) yeah and it, it does feel like from the little bits of mad men that i've seen it feels like it does actually owe quite a lot to this movie uh aesthetically definitely because Mm. um the color palette i mean i know obviously it just takes place in like the same era (laughs) you know but i think that like the the idea of the the color blocking just really reminds me of this movie because um part of why it's so great it's 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 so colorful and it's so mm. gorgeous to look at because there's there's this constant interplay with like between all these different colors on screen at time and like blue and purples and 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 the way that like all the secretaries are dressed mm. and it's just this like little like amazing rainbow, but it's like not quite a rainbow because it's it's muted. It's like all the colors are, are turned down slightly. So it's both like exciting and drab at the same time, somehow. Um, I, yeah, I love I love all of that. But yeah, and I I also feel like Don Draper's, his, his long speeches that, I don't know if they're meant to be funny, but they sound like nonsense to me. <laughs>
1: <When> he's like, <laughs> like,
0: you're driving home. You see a sign. It reminds you of your mother. You're crying. You decide to buy ketchup. Heinz. <laughs> it reminds me of reminds you of your dead mother. Buy ketchup. <laughs> like <laughs> those massive speeches that dodd Draper always had. Again, like I, I've only watched like a, a few episodes of Mad Men, and the rest of his like just cultural osmosis. Mm. But those those giant speeches that Don Draper has just do kind of remind me of the presentation that Robert Morse gives in this movie. Where it's like, <laughs> you're just saying stuff <laughs> and it seems impressive, but is is there actual substance to it? And again, I guess it's, it's the idea of like, it's all a performance and Don Draper's just kind of an actor because he's suave and impressive. And mm-hmm. does he actually do any work at the Mad Men office? <laughs>
1: I've never seen it but from what I can gather he he smokes and drinks and cheats on his wife that's literally exactly he does (laughs)
0: being sad about his sad childhood he's not actually working
1: (laughs) (laughs) but you're you're right about the colors but one one thing I will say obviously aside from all the satirical things there are some funny moments in but the I love the sets they're like real like real big sets aren't they like real old old school hollywood sets you know there's like a four big foyer and big massive offices and stuff like that which i thought was you know you don't you don't see a lot of that anymore for you know for, for various different reasons but i liked i liked that i liked like you say the, the colors but also it's a really it almost is like a like a stage play isn't it but done at a, a massive bigger degree it's some of the set designs were fantastic just adding that in, yeah because i guess pretty... they
0: they they retain so much of the choreography from the mm. original show so like when you're looking at the musical numbers like uh, secretary's not a toy i think particularly like that's just pure bob Fossey. <laughs> it's yes. all like arms and legs and ankles and and you know creating shapes with the human body uh and so that yeah, unfortunately I've never been able to see it on the stage but it it seems like how I would imagine the original production looks like um yeah and that's like I don't know. I think that's part of the the beauty of it as well because you know so so much of musical tradition that a lot of it has relied on the fantasy sequence I mean you look at the great MGM musicals um so many of the very iconic dance sequences are within the story a kind of of complete, it's someone's dream or it's like, a, it's a thing within a thing and it's, but it's not actually just happening right in reality, uh, like American in Paris, or something like that. Uh, but here, like everything is just in the office. <laughs> yeah. Like no one's having any weird fantasy dream sequences where it's ballet for 20 minutes. It's, um, yeah, it's all contained... Within corporate America, and yeah, that feels that feels quite quite modern, in a sense. I mean, modern for 1967, Um, and I and that's why I always find really interesting about musicals in general is that you're constantly seeing these trends of like, how do we adapt certain ideas for just like the musicals stage? Because like right now, like teen high school set things are really popular in musicals (laughs) Uh, like V-Girls and Heathers and um, oh the one about how to be uh, chill how to oh what was the name of it (laughs) there's another one (laughs) Um, and yeah and then you're looking at it's like how how do you make a musical that's set entirely like against a bunch of rockers how do you make that interesting and so I think that's always been the challenge of of anyone trying to choreograph a musical. And and I think How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying is a really good example of it.
1: Yeah, 100%. I can't think of that other film that you're talking about. I was thinking of High School Musical. <laughs>
0: um, is it How to Be Chill? It's not a movie yet. Oh. It, will, it will be soon. <laughs> ah, I see.
1: I see. Yeah, I just saw a High School Musical. You said that high school was a musical, and I was just like, "Oh, High School Musical with with little Zac Efron," <laughs> which I've never i never seen that. I school. mean,
0: that's a great one, like example as well. How do they? Because <laughs> that's all inside <laughs> the high school, but somehow they, you know, and it 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 seems really dumb to say that's really impressive, mm. but you don't really notice it when you're watching High School Musical because it is really well done. <laughs> yeah. Because they make it look, they make it look like it makes sense within that world that everyone would be standing on the tables in the dining room and singing about the status quo. But also it looks like a musical and it's like, has the choreography and the staging of a Broadway musical. And I feel like that's a lot harder than it sounds.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. But it is a, it, like you say, it's such a good example of of a sixties musical, you know, um occupying it's you know, use it utilizing its space in the best possible way, you know, and, and bring it, you know, there's, there's so many great numbers in that. Like you say, there's quite a vast there's quite a vast set to everything. I mean, some of the offices are just huge, but then when you put all of the the staging and the the choreography to it, it, it kind of makes kind of makes sense. I love that sequence, by the way, the Bob Fossey-ish one of uh secretary is not a toy <laughs> It's
0: so it's good. So,
1: so good with the three the three <laughs> guys who were in i think they were in the big be- at the beginning when he came in or something i recognized one of the guys was like, oh he was from oh from is he from the mail room i can't remember and those gray suits um but yeah that's such a good such as it's quite a few good numbers in this um but it is like you say very very funny and this this the satirization of everything is is uh is very very good very very on point and like i say it's you look at it now in 2021 and you think oh, people kind of might still be doing this i can think of one person maybe that's uh done this or <laughs> or maybe the nepotism angle as yeah. well
0: for a few people well that's the thing because it's it's like the parts of the satire very specific to the 1960s like i love the joke about the secretaries all um sort of doing their hair and makeup at their oh, desks yes. yeah and it's like one woman is doing this like gigantic beehive and (laughs) it's just towering into the sky and another one has the gigantic eyelashes and they're doing the eyeshadow and it's just like a slab of color like those things are all very specific to that culture but I think the idea of of you know all the ideas of how a corporate America works and its fakeness and its classism and its elitism like that's just eternal you know yeah. that was true before this movie was made, and it's been true very long after it. And I think that's what makes it timeless as well. And that's why they've been able to revive it and you know keep it going on on Broadway because everyone can relate to this story. If you've ever worked in an office, you're watching this film going, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we feel bad, yeah, <laughs> one hundred, yeah, one
1: hundred percent, the same as everyone's worked with a David Brent. Everyone's worked with someone like a David I Yeah, that's the thing.
0: Like the office, yeah, even the office, the UK and the US version, I think oh a little bit a little bit to how uh, succeed in business without really trying.
1: For sure. For sure. What a great choice. Uh I really enjoyed watching this film. Uh it's on Amazon Prime if you want to if you want to rent it. I tried to find the D V D first and I couldn't couldn't find it anywhere. I think it's been deleted for a, a while, but good old Amazon prime you can rent it on there for a few pounds it will be well worth your time uh so that was clarice's well not clarice's choice the first choice shall we say um so we're going to what we're going to do now is go into the second film and we're going to keep the office politics kind of theme going and we're going to jump into modern day sort of by jumping into uh, jumping to 2009 let me get my words out uh to another kind of office paced comedy, kind of not, but also has a few, a few links in there. Uh, before we do here's a quick clip from the second film we're going to talk about this week
0: Hungry much? Our business expense allows $40 each for dinner. I plan on grabbing as many miles as I can. Okay you gotta fill me in on the miles thing what is that about? Are you talking about like frequent flyer miles? You really want to know? I'm dying to know I don't spend a nickel if I can help it unless it somehow profits my mileage account. So what are you saving up for, Hawaii? South of France? It's not like that. The
1: miles are the goal. So that is a clip from 2009's Up in the Air, the comedy drama film directed by Ghostbusters Afterlife director (laughs) Jason Reitman, uh, based on the 2001 novel of the same name, uh, George Conley leads the ensemble with VF Amiga, Anna Kendrick, Danny McBride, and an, I think he's an uncredited Jason Bateman, if memory serves. Jason Bateman in, with a beard. That's all I that's all I remember from up in the air. Oh, yeah. In a few it's a few like, sequences. I've got a beard.
0: No one can recognize me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Who is it? Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. Uh also um who who's the other people that are in it? There's Sam Elliott, there's Zach Galifianakis. and of course uh Jason Reitman's favorite J.K. Simmons is in there as well uh, as a as a fired employee. That's his <laughs> that's his character now. He's Bob, a fl- a fired employee. Uh, on and the
0: um, page. Ashton Kutcher is the boyfriend, right? You see him. Ashton
1: Kutcher is the boyfriend at the airport. Yes.
0: You see him for like thirty seconds, and he spent the whole time like, is that Ashton Kutcher? <laughs>
1: it's Ashton Kutcher for that one. <laughs> Brief second is Ashton,
0: and he's really play. far away. And it's like, get me my binoculars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't even know. I just looked at it now. I didn't even know. It's like, you could never have, t- you could never tell that was Ashton Kutcher because uh, he's
0: so far away,
1: so far away. And he never, he doesn't reappear, does he? Why would Ashton Kutcher no. do that? Unless he was, was he at the airport on that day? It just was, just like had a delay, and they were like, oh, we're filming with George Clooney. Do you want to come and give out Kendrick a hug?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's bored.
1: It It would be in a movie
0: if I was just famous and bored.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's the, they call call that the Ryan Reynolds effect. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds seems to be in everything. Uh, Anyway, 2009's Up in the Air. uh, A really, really great film. Uh, Very funny film. But again, it's kind of satirical and kind of about office politics and, and, you know, um, all the things in between uh if you've never seen the film uh Clooney plays a guy who essentially fires people he's called in by people who are too chicken to do it themselves um to come and uh lay off all their employees this of course coming a year or two after the the big uh recession uh i think that's right to say isn't it i think the recession was a year or two before this right was it 2000 and 2007 2008 um memory serves maybe I'm wrong but it was around I think it, I think yeah it's around that time isn't it late 2000s to
0: be honest I wasn't like earning enough money to notice the recession <laughs> yeah. happened <laughs> yeah yeah Same. it's like you know you had to have had like a little bit of like savings or something I was still like living at home
1: when it happened yeah you had to have a 401k is that what they that's what they call it in America isn't it 401k or, or something yeah oh dear uh but yeah 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 a downsizer that's what he's called a corporate downsizer what a what a what a job title i wonder if he had that on his on his airplane cards you know when he goes to all these (laughs) 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 ryan bingham corporate downsizer (laughs) (laughs) um so this is this is pretty recent and obviously deals with the ever-changing world of the office environment and obviously the the influx of the of the world wide web uh even more so in 2009 and uh it's a it's a a really fantastic film I think it's arguably Jason Reitman's best film um in my opinion it probably is his best film because I I really really enjoy it do you remember the first time you you saw this uh was you was you was you working as a as a journalist by the time this came out was this just before you
0: uh no in 2009 I thought I was gonna be an actor what an idiot Ah. (laughs) so (laughs) I I saw this as a a normie
1: (laughs) a normie (laughs) yes
0: yeah as a normie I I don't know I think I went to the cinema and just watched it it was like pretty cool because back then I didn't have to have opinions so I just woke out movies be like pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> and I miss that I miss that <laughs>
1: yeah it's a straight I mean obviously you you have a, a, a I don't know let's say a, a, a more prescient job than I do in terms of who you do stuff for but yeah I do miss the I do like going to films these days and just watching a film and not having to worry about the aftermath I guess you have that because you must have that a couple of times a week right
0: yeah and you know what my dad watched Parasite recently he told me pretty good <laughs> I was like, I'm so jealous of you. You watched Parasite and your reaction, you had the freedom to have the reaction of pretty good. <laughs>
1: pretty good. My dad would probably say, it was all right. That's his usual, yeah. usual thing. It was, all right.
0: it was all right. Or he'll go, it was okay, which I think means bad. For what?
1: <sighs> yeah. I wish I, yeah. That's the code, isn't it? That's all right. It was like, okay. That's, that's, was that one star? No, no, no stars. It was okay. Let's just leave it at that.
0: Exactly. Imagine <laughs> if you just file a review. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Right. I'm filing my review for Black Widow. It's just the word's pretty good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone opens up the independent. Oh, it's pretty good. Mm. Chloe said it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. That's Scarlett Johansson. Quite talented.
1: Yeah. Flowers Pew, Not bad.
0: Not bad. Did a, Good job in the role.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the guy from Stranger Things. Good beard. Oh, Good beard. My dad
0: doesn't know what Stranger Things is. that's getting too pull
1: <laughs> it <follow> back. <laughs> oh, anyway, up in the air. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, the office environment has changed so so much in the in the years between these two movies, and reflective in the fact that uh, Natalie Keener, played by Anna Kendrick, she wants to kind of shake up the the way this firm does things, uh, Clooney's character, Ryan Bingham is sent all over the country to, to, to fire people um, uh, to downsize as it were, but he has a, a knack of the way that he, that he does it. Um, but Anna Kendrick's character wants to utilize the internet and uh, the power of video conferencing, which has come into everybody's lives in the last year. Hasn't it? Me and Carissa are talking over zoom at the moment. And we're talking to celebrities over zoom. Who would have thought, thought that, but it's, it, it is kind of very reflective of the office environment now, isn't it? In the terms of you don't see much of the office, but that the internet has taken over, that computers are becoming much, much more. Um, you know, everyone's reliant on computers and the internet and technology and everything else. And uh, it kind of strange that you would sit in front of a computer and someone on the other end of the computer, not even perhaps in even in the same building, would tell you that you're fired. It's such a strange. It's such a strange environment to be in but this actually this 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 is kind of commonplace now in, in a lot of offices it's kind of it's such a strange thing to to think of that now and this film is 12 years old
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and and it's interesting how this film I think quite succinctly lays out the, it, the problems with it and I'm sure everyone has you know also relates to the idea that you know Zoom is great and and Zoom's been really helpful for keeping everybody connected during this time but the idea that it can replace face-to-face interaction (laughs) that's kind of the scary part of it and you know I'm speaking as somebody who's a freelancer so like I don't go into the office anyways (laughs) but it's like you know even the like smidgiest like little teeniest bit of human interaction is 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 so essential the idea that we could just live in a society where we're all just like staring at screens all the time and just talking to screens is is quite scary to me and I, I think this film does this film does kind of manage to communicate quite efficiently what the problems are
1: yeah 100 percent. it's that strange I, I i remember watching it for the first time and just think to myself imagine if you were fired by a computer not necessarily the person who's there but just generally like are we getting to a point now where forget about killer killer machines and all the rest of it uh a a, a position that will be in where you will sit in front of a computer and someone will go hello scott you are fired <laughs>
0: please, please leave
1: <laughs> your luggage. Please leave all your personal items and take them away. But it's strange how you know the corporate world is becoming more and more like that. That this is this is commonplace. People do you just the, the fact of also the fact of people in there's a company or companies out there that are just hired essentially to come into your business and fire people because you don't have the guts to do it corporate greed and all that kind of stuff it's a strange it's a strange thing but it doesn't just deal with that obviously it deals with Clooney's character kind of being very alienated from from the real world he's kind of so in ensconced in this little bubble that he's created for himself that he's a af- he becomes kind of afraid of the real world again you know there's so many people who live out of a suitcase that's kind of one of the things of the movie isn't it what's in your suitcase people live out of suitcases they don't have a Uh, kind of a a place to call home and that's 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 quite a strange thing to quite a sad thing in many ways you know I couldn't imagine not having a home like that you know
0: yeah I I will say I think like my one issue with this movie is that it's like very (laughs) it's very heteronormative in its approach to to life like Mm. I don't know I think having George Clooney's life in this movie would be pretty cool (laughs) get to travel like the country and see new places all the time and like I I don't know it's this this idea that the movie like states universally that you know this lifestyle is empty it's hollow like what everyone has to do is get married and buy a house (laughs) like your life is empty unless you have you have partner and have house like (laughs) I don't know and I I think especially maybe it's partly because of of the world that we're living in now um where where we're very aware of like time and life and and what are you going to do with your life I was watching this movie kind of going hey if George Clooney just wants to travel the world and that makes him happy let him do it (laughs) don't don't marriage shame him (laughs) because it's like you're contrasting his life with the the life of his sister who is getting married and it's the run-up to her wedding um uh and she's played by Melanie Linsky, who's just like the best I love her (laughs) she's great and this and great and everything but (laughs) like her character also seems like she doesn't, you know, like what's so great about her life like she her husband seems kind of weird and they can't afford a honeymoon because he's investing in some weird real estate thing does that make sense? It's like it's. I, I always find it weird, I find it weird that this movie is like, you should want, this is the only way to live, <laughs> when like I feel like people should just do what makes them happy if that involves just always being on an airplane.
1: Maybe it's different for me because I have a fear of flying and a fear of heights so I wouldn't want his, <laughs> I wouldn't want his job. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't love flying but I love airports so I was like this mm. <laughs> and I love hotels. I feel like just living in a hotel
1: there's nothing wrong with hotels. Carrie Mulligan lived in a hotel when she was little. She turned out all right, didn't she?
0: <laughs> I'd love to be Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> but also,
1: like you say about the, 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 you know, the comparison between Cooney's character and his sister, obviously Anna Kendrick as well. She, her character seems to want all of that as well. She wants to, to have a great job, but also, you know, she has the boyfriend, the Ashton Kutcher as her boyfriend. But the more that she kind of goes into this <clears throat> to this world, she. All that kind of falls away and you feel quite sad for her you know she's still very naive and trying to find her place in the world and Clooney's character saying to her you know maybe you shouldn't have that which is i like i also like the fact that she's so into her job that what he says about um when she's typing and she types so so harshly <laughs> she's trying she's shut the keyboard so she's annoyed with the keyboard the way she does that she's kind of you know she's so yeah. kind of goal orientated to try and to try and be successful.
0: Describing to Vera Farmiga um, like what she wants out of a boyfriend, and it's like the scariest <laughs> serial yeah. killer description yeah. of like yeah. he has a dog, and the only thing he loves more than me is his dog, and he's like, um, what does she say? He's he's got a, a a job that is like he loves sports, but oh, it's just like this ridiculous list of like and it sounds really boring (laughs) like if you're gonna have that if you're gonna have that specific criteria for a person like go wild with it because like you're not gonna get this person you described in the first place you might as well ask for you know somebody who makes canoes in the amazon like you might as well (laughs) i just feel <laughs> like you know <laughs> i think that goes yeah it's like i there was parts of these movies that are this movie that's very like promoting boringness which is interesting <laughs> because it made me think of young adult as well which i really love but then sometimes when i think about it it's like is that also promoting like Complete heteronormativity because it's like everyone who has like a slightly weird, interesting life is just completely depressed because <laughs> they're not married in their hometown with children.
1: Yeah, completely right. I love that from by the way. But you're right. It is a bit. Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah, she because she's kind of quirky and she's got a quirky job. That yeah, she's in, incapable of all the other stuff. It's just yeah, very very a very very strange thing i was also with kind of kendrick's character i always found it funny that she sings um time after time at the at the little party that they go to also it was quite funny when you listen to the to the lyrics and stuff that's quite a that's quite a funny a funny moment that but i just it just the whole concept is 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 kind of it sounds silly to say but i it's quite a on the face of it it's quite a funny concept because you get some people who react to it in a way that it's just going to incite physical humor. They you know that like someone trying to throw George Clooney or someone trying to hit George Clooney with a chair, all that kind of stuff. But actually there's a real kind of sadness. There's a real sadness to it, particularly JK Simmons's character when he comes in, you know, and he's told when he's like 50 something that he's going to lose his job and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a real, it does have some really touching moments to it, but it's a, it's just, you know, it does have a very kind of funny, Undertone, but I think a lot of the f- comedy comes from the fact that the three people, uh, Clooney, uh, Anna Kendrick, and Vera Farmiga have such a great kind of they spar together so so well that it's it, it becomes quite quite funny. Particularly the sequence where they go to that party and they take they uh, Jules Clooney's in a Hawaii. I don't think I've ever seen Jules Clooney in a Hawaiian shirt before. Is he in a Hawaiian shirt or is that that's the descendants? No, he's in a he's in a short sleeve shirt. Beg your pardon, <laughs> they, take, mm, they take it's the, like very uh, baggy very baggy short sleeve shirt and he starts dancing and stuff like that
0: it just reminds you of like oh yeah George Clooney is like just also like and <laughs> it doesn't matter what he looks like he's just always gonna be like an awkward man <laughs> <laughs> wearing a weird shirt and you know like even <laughs> George Clooney can't escape it he's putting on that shirt he's dancing weirdly at a disco because he doesn't know how to dance
1: yeah yeah it's just I- like us He's just, like, he's just like us. Only, only he wore a rubber suit with nipples on a few years ago. <laughs> hey, you're
0: saying we don't do that as well?
1: Why? hey, what you do on your Tuesday nights is entirely up to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just as Batman. Just, just, just go around
1: dressed as, as George Clooney Batman. That, in fact, I think mm. most people had a choice for Halloween, which Batman would you go dressed up as? They'd probably say, well, for a laugh, we'll go as George Clooney Batman because nipples. <laughs> Uh, Clarice thank you so much for joining me on this episode
0: Thank you Uh,
1: People where can people find you on Where can people find you on Twitter Uh,
0: At Clarice Liu Uh, And oh Also I have a podcast that I should probably plug (laughs) Please (laughs) The, The Next Supremes which I do with my friend Anna We're just watching all of American Horror Story And we're just about To start Freak Show So if you like David Bowie Jessica Lange in uh, blue Suits, Singing, David Bowie, then you should listen to our podcast. <laughs>
1: there you go. You should. I've never seen American Horror Story.
0: Oh, and I'm talking about, like, <clears throat> if if you enjoyed how I just kept going off topic on this, that is also all I do on the other podcast.
1: <laughs> hey, it's good fun. You're good, you're good value for it. You're good value for it. Yes, thank you for joining me, Clarice. Uh, if you don't already, make sure you follow the podcast uh, on Twitter. Uh, at pillows pod and you can follow me at scott Wrights film uh you can follow us on uh, all the designated platforms for podcasting if you follow if you go on twitter and follow our link tree you can see all the platforms that we're on make sure you like and follow and subscribe and tell your friends and leave a review and all the other things you need to do to be noticed in the technological world of podcasting uh i will be back next week with uh, another guest with two more films uh, until then take care of yourselves and goodbye